This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, here we are, folks, back at you once again for the inimitable, unbelievable, fantastic DLR Cast, the podcast by and for fans of David Lee Roth. And you've got two of them right here. I'm Steve, along with my good friend, as always, dangerous Darren Paltrowitz. What's happening? I try to be a little less dangerous these days, but it's good to be here. It's great to be connecting, and it's good to be giving the people what it is that they wanted in life, which was a second DLR cast in a week period. <laughs> I guess. Well, there has been no shortage of Dave news, and of course, recording this on, well, a, a somber time, and that is we're a day away from the year anniversary of Eddie Van Halen dying on October 6, 2020. And it feels like it's been 10 years. It feels like it's only been a couple months. It's just, I can't keep track of time right now, but either way, it still bums me out. What a whirlwind year when you think of it. I mean, just in the year that passed. Still a bummer, still hits home, and we're still getting new stories all the time about anecdotes of things on the road and great deeds Eddie did for people. And we still have no idea if we're ever going to get the Van Halen vault opened up. But I think I still think we're a ways away from that. But of course, this is kind of timely, right? Well, it's always timely, I guess. But we're coming, we're talking about this just a few days after Dave's big retirement announcement, in which he referenced Eddie and his passing, calling him his classmate. And that was an obvious reference. And I'd been thinking about the previous episode, you know, the the retirement announcement. And Dave's a human being, man. And my speculation is, is that like when you get up into that age, you've got a lot of friends and family members that are, are, that are passing, let's face it. Right. But clearly I really believe this one really, I would bet really shook him. I mean, if there's, there's nobody more of a realistic guy than him, but he's looking at his own mortality. And when you think of it, this is, I just didn't really put this together, but Eddie died on the 6th and Dave's birthday is this Sunday, October 10th. So yeah. when you're, when your biggest, longest musical partner, one of your biggest influences, uh, close friends, who the heck knows, but somebody that you spent that much time with as well, practically a family member, right? Yeah. And it's around your birthday. How can you not think about all these things in your own mortality? I guess it, it, coming up on those shows in December, it just it all kind of I'm connecting all sorts of bizarre dots, I think, but maybe it's not too bizarre. One of the comments we got on the episode that we posted before this one was from a listener also named Darren, but it's Darren with an I-N, which we cannot confirm nor deny is better than the E-N. Personally, I think the E-N's better. That's not the point that we're talking about here. <laughs> he talked about how great episode, but we didn't talk about how emotional Dave sounds in that recording. That might have been that you and I both had six conversations before that where we talked about it, where he sounds shaken up, shaken up, however the grammar goes. But when you think about it, Artists and frontmen, we're used to hearing how they're artists and how they're emotional people and they're dramatic. And we've never really seen David Lee Roth ever lose his cool in public, except when somebody throws something at him on stage. Uh, yeah, we've never seen anything, but we've never seen anything but the front man always up or yeah. or I'm going to grind you into the dirt sort of um, even and even that sort of a jovial end of things right we've never seen that other side which clearly he's going to have it's and we've seen somber dave i mean to a degree to some point but not 
kind of emotional like that. And Darren with an eye, great point there, because I got to tell you, I realized this the other night because I really actually listened to it more with an ear versus when that first hit, I was reading all the transcripts. It took me a couple of days to listen to it. I yeah. was more trying to parse literally reading between the lines as I saw it on my screen and just going, what the hell does this mean? This little part here. And is he sick? And the things we talked about in our episode. And, but yeah, I realized that too. It is, it was a different sounding and it was just, it wasn't, wow, hey, I'm retiring, you know? It's like, bop, bop, and loo, bop, you know? <laughs> it's like, this is it. Throw in your shoes or the towel. I don't care, you know? I mean, that's not yeah. what it was about at all. Yeah, we, we kind of get two Daves. We get the anecdotal karate kicking laugh to win Dave, and then we get the person who somebody throws something at on stage. And there's never... His retorts usually involved about uh, stealing that person's girlfriend or right. it's going to beat the hell out of them. It, it's almost like Paul Stanley in a way where we get like the falsetto. How are you doing? Yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you ever see the clip of when someone's flashing the laser pointer at Paul Stanley where you know, he's like at first like, how you doing? And then they they put the laser pointer on him and he's like, yeah. do that again and I'll stick it <laughs> up your ass, schmuck. Yeah, all of a sudden <laughs> you all like, of a sudden he know. turns into the guy who's gonna kick your ass from Queens, you know? Yeah. yeah, there's no middle ground Paul Stanley. Like we've never seen Paul Stanley cry. And of course but there's other artists you could think about having breakdowns or getting emotional over the years. It's been captured. We've never seen that from Dave. And this is kind of maybe the only time we're ever going to see him emotional in public ever. Yeah. I'll tell you, I just don't, and you bring up a good point because I just don't, I, at least the public persona is Dave. He's got the last 10 years. When you think of it, since getting back with Van Halen, he's mm-hmm. certainly got more reflective on, on as far as the time spent and the time that the things he did and reflecting on all the stuff with Van Halen. And to a degree, he would always take a look back. Remi- it was I think it was more of a reminder that, hey, this is the face and the voice of Van Halen, or if not the face, the voice, right? Mm-hmm. He always had to wave the flag, even during the Sammy era, even when things were really quiet through the 90s or different eras. I mean, he always, and he said as much, right? I'm the guy who's holding this short torch here. And, but that kind of pensive reflective it it and we've heard bits and pieces in podcasts and stuff but you're overwhelmed by everything else the non sequiturs the laugh the this yeah. the everything and so it's i i if he does more interviews I'm really going to keep an eye out. It's going to be really interesting. But for all we know, next week you can pop up on a podcast going, this is going to be the greatest show, the best band, and not even mention the retirement at all. You know what I mean? It's like, we got 75 rehearsals under our belt. You don't know what's going to happen. You know what I, I just, is this the only interview he does? It I, it sounds like it could be. It sounds like it is. The, he prefaced the beginning of the statement with, of course, the don't interrupt me. If this weren't such a somber episode, because we're reflecting on the passing of Edward Van Halen, if it weren't, I would have made the joke uh, at the beginning of like, Steve, I'm going to say this and don't interrupt me. I'm only going to say it once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of a lot of interviews that start with like the person saying to the interviewer and don't interrupt me. Right. But right. That kind of, he said, this is going to be my one and only statement on all this. 
I can't imagine there being another interview unless it's Joe Rogan or somebody he's absolutely a diehard fan of or worships and, and some, comfortable with. Sure. Yeah. Some EDM person or some DJ or maybe some editor of a boating magazine. Otherwise, I, th- I thought it, a boating magazine, I thought it possibly could be Howard Stern, but I'm listening to Stern the other day and he's talking about Dave's retirement and he was musing on the fact that Dave's been mad at him. He uh, Not only that, but Howard Stern's been feuding as of late with Joe Rogan. And I, I kind of correlate that to when Opie and Anthony were this big radio empire in certain parts of the country. And the second you did Opie and Anthony, you were no longer welcome on Howard Stern. Right, right. I'd have to think that that's that. And also that Howard Stern's ratings are not where they once were. And Dave is all about pushing the ball forward. Yeah, that's yeah. There's all sorts of things at play there. The time of year for this, it all kind of comes full circle altogether, because here we are a year away, a year, a year ago, the sixth. Mm hmm. Eddie died tr- unbelievably tragic. And I still every now and then just go, what the fuck? This can't suck. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just it's yeah. was such an earth shattering thing. And here we have Dave's birthday, which I just didn't put together. I very rarely pay too much attention to artists birthdays unless it's a really big deal. And there's a big birthday. I, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just I don't know. I just never really have. But here you got. Could there be medical issues that retirement announcement? It's it just all like kind of just whether it's intentional or not, just this this week, the announcement, the fact that four days were I mean, four days were are apart between Dave's birthday and the yeah. and the date that Eddie died. Yeah. I mean, it's it's heck. I don't know how you, I don't know how you just fluff that off and don't think of those things. I no I, I don't care who you are. So if you're that involved and and you spent that much time with somebody, this has all got to really weigh on your mind and and there was no big funeral, there wasn't paparazzi and to see who showed up, which you know, I mean, I remember thinking until I found out there wasn't a funeral, just imagining what the what the coverage would have been like on this, you know, people trying to see who's there and r- reports and it was a who's who of hard rock guitarists and da da da. And then if Dave doesn't show up, it's, I mean, you can only imagine, I mean, obviously none of that happened, but I had a point to all this. I was going somewhere with it, but it just seemed to be like there was, it's, it's still very shocking to me and still obviously bums me out. And yeah. in a weird way, because it just doesn't feel like this could be the what I'm getting at basically is that Dave talked. You can name three things he really did to acknowledge it publicly, right? Mm-hmm. The social media, the thing at the VMAs, and now this. So to, I just always felt like it was never brought up in interviews, mm-hmm. like with Rogan. I just to me, this is what I'm finally getting at. I'm finally putting this together here. So bear with me, folks, and thank you for indulging me. <laughs> But that it just to me, it was like any sort of other bigger public acknowledgement felt like me that lacking that it feels like to me there was no closure to Dave's reaction publicly and what fans expect to hear. Like it would have been really cool if there was some sort of big essay he wrote out in his handwriting on social media, like almost right. Can you picture it? And a little drawing or something. But obviously, listen, it's up to everybody to grieve how they want to grieve. But it just seemed to me it was just, 
I don't want to say lacking. It's just I thought there would be more. Yeah. Or maybe he feels like Sammy Hagar stole his thunder in being quick to the table of talking about how he made amends with Eddie right before he passed and how they. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think he gives a damn what Sammy does. I just on the one hand, I wish there was more. On the other hand, I think also that this is this is perfect Dave on this as far as. He, in a weird way, he kind of, for a guy who sometimes you wonder, man, does he know the audience? Do you know what I mean? Where there's, well, let's face it, there's interviews where it's a little, there's, it's a little cringeworthy at times, it's, right? Yeah. But this was one where he just laid completely low for the most part. Yeah. Well. Be- befit, befitting, and not to say how Sammy did, you know, what Sam, what's, uh, not to, listen, not to say that that's anything. Uh, a bad mark on the way Sammy publicly talked about the death. That's not at all. I don't think so at all. I mean, clearly he was so shook up on this and he got a lot of publicity for it, but he was the only one talking about it as much either. Haven't heard anything from Alex. It was really Wolfie grieving publicly on social media, which just broke my heart. And also Sammy grieving publicly too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's amazing. It's just not amazing. I just think it's kind of interesting and fascinating that, the biggest public persona at all has just really kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Just laid back on this whole thing. Like I just got, I just got to think of, will there be any toast live? Do you know what I mean? Or any mention during, uh, during the live shows? Yeah, that's, I doubt it. I think he'll say something during the show and keywords. I think, I think he'll say something during the show. Maybe but, there's a little soliloquy during that intro to Ice Cream Man, if he does Ice Cream Man, right? He was doing it in the Vegas residency. He, it was a harmonica solo kind of thing. But th- this just goes on the the long, long list of questions that we don't know anything about, such as, did he and Eddie make amends before he passed? We don't know. But and, but they weren't at odds with each other. The tour ended on a on a high note. The last show at the Hollywood Bowl, which was 2015, were they talking all the time? Probably not. Dave said as much. It's not like we talk, he always talked to Alex. It sounds like more than ever before. I don't think there was any sort of like, um, I'm completely guessing because there had been a couple quotes from Dave where it was like, yeah. it 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 did make me cringe a little bit. But there was nothing that came out that said they broke up again. He's out of the band. It was all really quiet right after that tour. And of course, nobody really knew that last two years of the year. I mean, how I mean, you heard about the cancer, but you didn't know. Clearly, it was a shock for everybody because no, I don't think most people didn't know how sick he was. There Eddie was is. a quote. I'm I'm wondering if it's the cringeworthy one to you too, where he said something like, "He's not answering the door." That kind, and I don't think he's going to. It was that. Yeah, he. Yeah, he made a couple allusions publicly about some things. You know, it's it's over. That sort of yeah. thing. And and so, uh, yeah, I just I, I don't think there was maybe amends to make. I, I think at some point, wouldn't Eddie and Alex just roll their eyes and just go, whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, who Could gives be. a shit if they even hear about it? I think we were talking about this uh, on a prior show that when you watch some of the live shows, Dave is talking and there's no registered emotion on Eddie's face. As in you go, wait, 
he doesn't even have the vocals in his monitors because there's so many clips of them rehearsing without a singer for soundcheck. They could do the whole show without a singer and they're that good and tight and rehearsed and all that. Right. So you didn't know if it was like with the Sammy reunion tour of 04, where they were in different planes and different backstage areas. And there's two camps. I just figured it was just kind of that, that they were on stage for the 90 to 120 minutes and seeing the next city, different tour manager, you know, Todd Jensen doing his job right there. And that's what it was. It was a, it was a business relationship because they also did the vocals for a different kind of truth apart from the music. I right. think um, the engineers who told me that one. Yeah. Yeah. And it was at a completely different studio. So, yeah, man, studios. lots as always to speculate on. But one thing we don't have to speculate on. And here's a classic Steve segue <laughs> is. All is we don't have to speculate about anything about the cover art to 1984, do we, Darren? We do not. And thankfully, Margot, who designed the 1984 album cover, took the time to speak to the DLR cast. And I didn't think she was going to. And she's just like, sure, when do you want to talk? And so she tells the whole story of where the album artwork came from, you know, what interaction she had with the band. And as it turns out, her husband did the artwork for the first three David Lee Roth solo albums. Which so, I had no idea. So I think we have a future guest to be pursuing there as well. But how many album covers are more iconic than 1984? Oh, you I really there's you could name maybe 10 of them off the top of your head. One or two Beatles albums, the Nirvana album. You can argue over certain classic rock album covers from different bands. But I would say that's the most iconic of of all the Van Halen covers. Yeah. So we learn without giving too much away that it was not what Van Halen originally planned for the artwork. And it was just kind of a happy accident of how that one happened with her. So that uh, that is perfect. It was, yeah, it was super. It's super interesting. We think you guys are going to enjoy it for sure. Definitely. I learned a few things. And also, she just sounds like the nicest person in the entire world. Like, I, I don't want to meet the person who doesn't enjoy a conversation with her. <laughs> sure. It's it's interesting because again, she's not a super fan of Van Halen. So this is not one of those interviews where we go into depth about guitar tone. Believe you me, there's one of those coming very, very, very soon per se, but this is one of those untold story things that solves a lot of questions uh, that we'd wondered about. Awesome. Well, let's get to it. As always, thanks for listening and downloading the DLR cast. Nothing but yeah. All right. Take care. Well, I, I guess leading right into it here, I find that artists are either have no concept of time ever or are actually great business people that track to the minute. They're like, you know what? Six minutes of painting is worth $800. I'm not going to be late. Are you the person that's good with time? No, <laughs> I don't wear a watch. <laughs> my clock in my studio, and this is one of my problems, is slow like yeah. 15 minutes i can see it now 12 minutes it says 12 minutes 13 minutes after 11 here so that's 13 minutes so my, the clock in my car is off by 10 minutes <laughs> and it, yeah, i so very seldom know the exact time wow <laughs> my husband's yeah. worse than me 
Wow. Well, a couple of accomplished, amazing artists who made art that anyone who's going to be hearing this has seen and loved, but not always known who did it in that case. Do you like that? That knowing that people know your work, but you can just walk down the street and nobody bothers you? You know, I... Both. I love it when I'm recognized, but nobody ever recognizes me from the Van Halen poster, but they recognize me from just doing interviews all the time. And um, we have this studio that's in this huge building full of artists. And since we've moved to Des Moines, Iowa, we've gotten like a ton of recognition, having record shows and things like that. And so it's really fun. But it's people in Iowa primarily. If I was still in LA and people were coming up to me, I probably wouldn't, uh, I'd probably get a, a little concerned, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. On the other hand, I love being, I never used to sign my work. I never used to go out and meet anybody. I mean, if I got a job, uh, I go meet the art director, but when it was time to meet the artist, I'd send my husband. So, uh, you know what? I'm I'm so both. I'm not, I am not one person generally ever. <laughs> As a hard rock and metal aficionado, I know that Slipknot is from near there. Are yeah. there other artists or entertainment things of note from the Des Moines area that we should know about besides Slipknot? You know, I don't know anybody as popular as Slipknot, but I know we have so many musical artists here. Mm -hmm. And on a weekend, there may be like 150 places that have singers. And, and you know, you can't go to them all, but, you know, most of them are, um, I don't want to say inconsequential, but, you know, nobody really knows any of them. But Slipknot, didn't somebody just pass away in Slipknot? Yeah, yeah. they've had some bad luck in terms of people dying young in that band. But uh, well, on, that was popular the, here. I mean, that was well noted here. Yes. And the singer also has a band called Stone Sour that does really well. And I think they have a cruise coming up. Slipknot has a, a metal cruise. So, uh, yeah, they're they're making waves internationally. I guess that's the best way you can put it. I think that that's the thing to do, actually. You have fun. You go on a cruise and you know, and you entertain and you get paid. Exactly. But uh, hey, the focus is on you, not Slipknot, not Iowa here. So people that are going to be initially listening to this go, yes, Margot did the 1984 album, but you also did albums like Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Wonder, so many greats. But any idea what specific project it was that led you into being able to do the 1984 album that someone saw it and went, hey, that's the person. I do. And it's really, it's, 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 it's really fun <laughs> because it was so serendipitous. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, I think I got the job because the band wanted four dancing chrome women and nude <laughs> yeah or scantily clothed I guess anyway um but I had done so much metal illustrations that 
people just automatically called me in the advertising and the record business. I mean, they knew they were, it was going to be good, whatever I did. And so um, Rick, I think it was Rick Serini, one day called me from Warner Brothers and asked if I would do the album cover for the, the upcoming Van Halen album. And they wanted five dancing chrome women. <laughs> and so, you know, I think I, I think I was really nice about it, but I said, no, thank you. And uh, I thought that was it. Never thinking anything else about it. I wasn't even that familiar with Van Halen. I had done something before for, uh, I think a billboard, but that was it. And of their logo in metal, by the way, it was a V, a big V. Yeah. And, um, and so about two hours later, Rick Serini, the art director at Warner Brothers, called my husband and asked me if I would, if he would go and take the, my portfolio over to the band the next day. And, you know, being a girl, it's like, I just said no, and he didn't listen to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jay took my portfolio over to the band, and they were thumbing through. And what they stopped on was this illustration, the only illustration in my portfolio that had never been used uh, commercially. Mm -hmm. Well, it had been used. I did it for um, this, this reference book called the LA Workbook. And uh, they had, it was a huge, it was like a two volume, huge thick book, but it just gave, gave references for photographers, designers, illustrators, makeup people, as sure. everybody. And so at that time, the designer asked me if I would do uh, a divider page. And I said, sure, because they always got artists to do those. Not always but this particular year they did mm -hmm. and I picked out photorealism and you had to pick out a style of art so um, I'd always wanted to do something that looked real but could never be real and um, I got my girlfriend at that time to let me photograph her son Carter Helm and he was probably about three years old. And I went out with, with Dippity Doo and with candy cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, a big bag of, of candy plus candy cigarettes. And um, I put the Dippity Doo on his hair to make him look like he had, well, a really cool haircut. And then um, uh, he had a tantrum for about 45 minutes. My girlfriend said, just wait, just wait. And so I brought out the candy and we went outside and, you know, that, the rest of that was history. Anyway, so um, I did Carter um, sitting. I, I changed the, cup, the, the picnic table, the sky, and I added a, a wing. And that's really all I did. And... Um, and that was the picture in the book of this little angel smoking a cigarette, kind of looking up to see if God is watching over this little rebel, this little rebel angel. And you know what? I really didn't think much about it. I mean, other than I did what I wanted to do, it got to be a divider page, which is just what they asked for. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I never went any further with it. Uh, it was just part of my portfolio. 
So they stopped on that picture. And I think all thoughts of five chrome women scantily clothed just kind of flew way. out the window. Yes. And they said, oh, is this avail available? And my husband said, yeah, I think so. And it's, we'll take it. <laughs> and that was it. And I must say, I, I didn't know much about it. People asked me what music I was listening to when I, I made the illustration. And I'm so truthfully, I say, uh, no diamond. <laughs> that is fantastic. It's so interesting to hear that it can be an independent artwork that has nothing to do with the band, yet it totally suits the band's vibe and what the album is. 1984, you know, a look into the surrealistic future. Yeah. And it was to it totally matched. That is so incredible. And then it's also interesting to hear your perspective on just putting the kid there. And that's that. Um, it was something that looked pretty real, yeah. but could never be real. And the fact that people who criticized it, people who rejected it, like all of England, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they had no idea they were candy cigarettes. I mean, there's no smoke and nobody thought anything about it except, um, yeah, to, to not use it or to put stickers on the front of it. And in Asia, they airbrushed the whole cigarette and the whole cigarette packages. Oh. Yeah. So it's different album covers around the world, technically. Yeah. Okay, so something I'm curious about. Same, same cover, but airbrushed out or a sticker over the little kid holding, or the, the, the angel holding the cigarette. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of a newsworthy album cover beyond the obvious, because have you seen that the kid that's on the album cover of Nirvana's Nevermind album uh, initiated a lawsuit? So your friend's son is happy with it all these years later? He loves it. When I when you were saying about being recognized, I've really never been recognized. And in high school, when he was younger, or college mainly, he went to college in England. Uh, but everyone, all of his friends would say, oh, this is the Van Halen angel. This is the kid. He got recognized everywhere. Wow. Wow. So that was fun. So it's the opposite of Nirvana. There's no lawsuit coming all these years later. Okay. And, and then um, people who are big fans of David Lee Roth will know that for the last year and a half, he's been posting a lot of paintings that he's been doing. It's been story, you know, coverage of it. There was a CBS This Morning piece that focused on his painting. I think a New York Times thing, et cetera. I don't know if he was painting and he was artistic back then. Any idea if there's any feedback from Dave about, hey, change this, or your piece went there and it got used? Uh, my piece went there and it got used. I didn't change a thing about it. I gave them only the rights. Oh, I sold them only the rights to use it on their album and t-shirts, and that's it. I have owned the rights to this image for 30, what, eight years, something like that, 37, 38 years. And so no, no pushback in any way. 
they didn't ask me to change a thing. They liked it the way they wa it was. And there's a book, I don't know what happened to my book, uh, that was wrote, that was written called Running with the Devil. Yes, the Niels Lazauer book, I believe. Yeah, by the, uh, uh, a manager that was, Oh, no monk, yes. No monk, no monk. Anyway, and he said, he says in his book that the band was waiting for some controversy to arise, not only about um, uh, Eddie Van Halen playing his own music, but about um, the album cover. They knew, they right. knew what was happening. I was totally in the dark because I didn't think anything was controversial about it at all it was an illustration it wasn't a photograph it wasn't real <laughs> yeah so. I get what you're saying for sure but the, you know that's not where the story ends because maybe you know it came out 38 years later big deal but your husband who we've talked about before also an accomplished artist in his own right and did it do I have it correct that he worked on the art for the first three David Lee Roth solo albums. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would have to assume that had to do with something along the lines of, Hey, we like the work that was done in 1984, but did you get offered that first or is it just a coincidence? Oh, just a coincidence. Okay. So but they had no idea. He, that you he and had a, yeah. He had a, a, a design business with Rick Serini um, after Rick Serini left Warner Brothers. And so they primarily did uh, album covers at first, and then they went to fashion, and then they went to bigger things. Uh, so um, it wasn't a surprise that David Lee Roth came over because uh, I'm pretty sure that um, I may have done the first one uh, album cover. Well, Crazy from the Heat? Uh, no, Crazy from the Heat. No, uh, my husband did all of those, all of the um, uh, David Lee Roth albums. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to do with those. I just had mine. Well, and it's much more popular. The, the wrong <laughs> assumption. <laughs> yes, yes, correct. <laughs> correct. And still selling huge. The, the incorrect assumption I had was when David Lee Roth did the Crazy from the Heat album, he took Van Halen's management he took Ted Templeman, the producer. So I thought he was also taking the people who did the artwork as well. Uh, that uh, He didn't take me, but he took my husband and I think Rick Serini. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I can't say as though I got anything after that <laughs> because of that album. Wow. I just, I was just in the record business when the, when the, the, um, when the project was right for me, they'd give it to me. And I've, I've done about 18 album covers, uh, mostly mine, but some from my husband, and, uh, but mostly from record companies. Hmm. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to interview your husband eventually about all this, but you have successfully retained ownership of the image, which must be great. Have there been any strange merchandising requests related to the 1984 album cover artwork? Uh, no. They've been, 
most everything was, can we use it in a movie or can we use it in this book? And that was fine. But no, uh, I see it used, uh, obviously illegally, yeah. uh, for silly things like, um, you know, your cell phone. It's like, I can't go after everybody. And if they like it, they'll know who did it. Did that lead though to other people going, we want the person who did the 1984 album cover for our own thing? Or did you just kind of scale back on albums after that? You know, uh, I did get some calls, but um, you know, I was ready to scale back because my daughter was born in 1984 also. It was a big year. Yeah. And another album I did uh, um, for Artograph, and it went, I think, to number, something went to number one on that one. And yeah. then Jay did Purple Rain, uh, the logo for that in the movie, or the lettering, and that went to number one. It was a big, 1984 was a big year. And um, yeah, I, I, I did, I'm sure, many album covers after that, but not a lot. And people, you know, people call and and you know they want album covers for like three four five hundred dollars and that's um you know that's i work so hard that that really isn't enough to pay my electric bill <laughs> <laughs> but if the price were right you would do an album cover for somebody yeah absolutely oh. Okay, that's an important thing to learn here because if somebody hears this and goes, I love that album, I wonder if the person who did it is available and the answer is yes. But where is your, your focus these days with art? Do you consider a specialty or a kind of project that you mainly work on? Well, I'm sort of all over the place as I was then. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been an illustrator that was number one. Uh, I've always uh, done jewelry for a long, long, long time, probably 30 years. Um, I've always dabbled in ceramics and uh, glass. So those four mediums are what I do. So you are a fine artist, as they say. <laughs> fine, that sounds good. <laughs> Some people now use the term mixed media arts, but it sounds like fine arts is more your, your specialty and your craft. Um, yeah, I'm not a real mixed media artist, although everything is mixed media. I mean, yeah. I airbrushed on my ceramics. I, um, I, most of my ceramics are resin. I don't know, can you see that? Yeah, that's yeah, the, wow, the, that's- A drippy that's right. heart. Yeah. So it's a matte medium, and then I have this like glaze lip gloss running down over the top of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just like to do creative things, and I get tired of one thing and I go to the next. And I just finished a portrait of, which I never thought I'd ever do as portraits uh, of, I mean, not portraits not of my choosing, <laughs> um, of a couple here in town. Um, for this man's 80th birthday of um, um, him and his wife and that it's hanging in a restaurant here now. So 
I mean, that was definitely because of Van Halen. <laughs> he yeah. saw that and he said, you could do anybody. That's not true. I can't. <laughs> well, the last, the last thing I want to know, because you've given me so much information in whether or not you realize that, is you relocated to Des Moines, Iowa. And I, I noticed that's a thing that's been happening the last decade or so, where people no longer have to live in LA, New York, San Francisco, Chicago to be artists. They can be artists from anywhere. What is it about Des Moines, Iowa that really you enjoy and you recommend and keeps you out there? Well, my husband who does television commercials uh, had this producer who was from Des Moines and he was living in Santa Monica and decided he didn't want to raise his kids there. So, uh, or his wife was, so they moved back here and we came to, or I, my daughter and I came to visit and happened to see this really beautiful house on 34 acres on a half a, a quarter mile of river. And you know what? I was ready to retire, sort of. And an artist, let me just say, an artist never retires. Right. You are an artist 24 hours a day. You aren't art, an artist from five to or nine in the morning till five in the afternoon. Right. You really are an artist 24 hours a day. And so we thought we could do it here. And so while we were here, our daughter, who had just graduated from the Chicago Art Institute, came to live here because she didn't want to go back to L.A. And so about nine years later, my mom wasn't doing well, and we moved back to California, my husband Jay and I did, to be with her, to get her over her 100-year old mark, which we mm. did after three and a half years. And... Um, so we said, okay, girls, come on back to California. And nobody wanted to come back. So my daughter got married, had a baby here. And the only thing that Jay and I could possibly do was to follow our granddaughter, grand, grandson. And he looks, may I just add, just about like, Dave, uh, I was gonna say David Lee Roth, but about the angel. I say that because everybody, everybody thought the angel was David Lee Roth. It's possible. I There have been some childhood photos of, of Diamond Dave that have come out over the years, and he doesn't look that different. But it's so interesting that that's your friend's son. Your friend's son is proud of it. Because how many people like photos of themselves as a little kid? I hate the photos of myself as a little kid. <laughs> Do you like them of, of yourself? Yeah, I don't see that many. But I, you know what? I just take it believe it it's like okay that was me then <laughs> well there you go margo such a pleasure to connect with you and learn about everything going on and if there's anything i missed you'll let me know but otherwise well, well you missed one thing oh and so because i retained the rights to van halen uh 1984 image yeah i have a website called Van Halen 1984, where you could purchase prints, P-R-I-N-T-S, signed, numbered, limited edition prints of my work right here. Yeah. And uh, last year when Eddie Van Halen passed away, I did a tribute of the print for him and put tears in the angel's eyes 
And I was going to show you. Oh, okay. That is a substantial thing that I missed. Just a little bit right there of you preserving the legacy. And there's the tears. Yes. Yes. And so I sell them with or without tears. And that's, that's why I was sort of so upset when Eddie died. I sat here in my studio and I just cried. And all of a sudden I realized I'm just crying by myself. I really want someone to cry with. And that's when I put angels in, or tears in the angel's eyes. And so I, you know, I felt better. And it just sort of went viral. And I just sold a, a zillion of them. And it's really wonderful. And his anniversary is coming up yes. um, on the 6th of October. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a sad day again. It is. It is, to say the least. But thank you for having made such excellent, timeless artwork that we're still talking about all these years later and probably going to be talking about for decades to come. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And it's nice talking with you.